Hi, welcome to episode 554 of the Fantastic Forecast. I'm Dave Elliott, and I love to go into the store, Old Navy, and ask if they have any pirate outfits. In every episode of the Fantastic Forecast, I'll be talking about a different issue of the Fantastic Four, starting with issue 1 and going all the way to issue 645. Today, it's Fantastic Four 554 from April 2008, World's Greatest, Part 1, by the new creative team of writer Mark Millar and artist Brian Hitch. And so another new era begins for the world's greatest comic magazine, starting with the redesigned cover logo and the weirdest cover copy. It says, Who is Mrs. Fantastic? Reads First Love Returns. Plus, the Invisible Woman's new super team is formatted like the cover of a magazine. Because, I guess in the year 2008, magazines were so popular. Now, I was really surprised when Millar and Hitch were announced to be the new creative team in the book. I just didn't think they'd be able to keep up with the pace of a regular uh, monthly book. Plus, they kind of suck. Actually, I take that back. I love the run they did on the Ultimates back in the early 2000s. And before that, they worked on The Authority, and I love those old Authority issues. But the problem with Millar is that he does a terrible job of handling pre-existing characters. Just look at how terrible the characterizations were in Civil War. He works a lot better in something like the Ultimate Universe, where he doesn't have to bother with fidelity to pre-existing personalities of the characters. And the Fantastic Four is a tough book for most writers to handle, because there's a very specific dynamic between the four characters. Now, I haven't read these issues in eight years, and I don't remember them very well, so let's see how he does. So the story begins back in the Old West with a group of Native Americans on horseback with spears with spears and guns I think I see a gun or two they're chasing after and shooting at some kind of time-traveling train being driven by the Fantastic Four great first he steals Doctor Doom's time travel technology now he steals Doc Brown's. Boy, does he have any shame at all? They're all dressed up in some old-timey, Old West clothes. Sue is stopping bullets with her force field. And we see that Franklin and Valeria are there on those time sled with Reed, Sue, and Ben. Sue sees something else coming down the tracks from another direction. Reed says it's a mail train and they should make the time jump before it gets there. And then the other train gets close. Reed tells them to hang on and the time sled teleports away, appears back in the Baxter building in good old 2008. But for some reason, it comes crashing down and the time sled crumbles apart. Ben goes crashing through the floor, through another floor, through another floor, potentially killing several people, but he doesn't. He looks up and Johnny's standing there with the weirdest look on his face and he's saying, dude, should I even ask? I guess he's talking about Ben's purple frilly outfit. Earlier, Reed had mentioned something about saving Ben from the year 1682. Reed shows up and apologizes to everyone, saying, Sorry, that temporal storm came out of nowhere. Yeah, 
temporal storm. <laughs> Blame it on the storm. They were planning to go back to 1955 for the grand opening of Disneyland. Sue mentions that they got five old tickets off of eBay. eBay? Why buy tickets off of eBay? They have a time machine. Just go buy tickets when they go back in time. So dumb. Ben says to Johnny that he thought he was going to go out west to be a stuntman. And Franklin says he thought Johnny was going to start a ladies underwear company. But then Johnny says that he's decided to form the world's biggest rock band instead. Me? I thought he was going to help Reed with Plan 101, but I guess not. So much for making the world a utopia. Now, they just want to start rock bands and go to Disneyland. Sue points out that a rock star needs to be able to sing or play an instrument. And has she listened to any music in the 21st century? Being able to sing and play an instrument, not necessary. All you gotta do is look cute on stage, and Johnny has that covered. Johnny says he's got a new loft, and they're going to wire it up for a reality TV show. Huh? Is he planning to be a rock star? Or is he planning a career in politics? So Johnny flies off to go meet with his manager. Sue hangs her head and says, oh, I just realized my little brother is Paris Hilton. Oh, she scoffs now, but most likely Paris Hilton will one day be the first female president of the United States. Mark my words. You heard it here first. Ben remembers that he's got to go. He promised his old school he'll go visit. He asks if anyone wants to come along, but Sue says she's got some girls coming over to talk about a new team she's putting together. Reed asks, New team? Sue says it's for charity to help the victims of superhuman incidents. Yeah, they need to raise millions to help people killed and injured whenever the thing comes crashing through their building. Ben asks Reed if he wants to come to the school. Reed thinks about it, and he says, Fire up the Fantastic Car. So later, at Ben's old school, I like how they don't even give it a name. It just says, Ben's old school, at the top of the page. Millar can't even be bothered to come up with a name, or do any research just in case it had been named in one of the previous 523 issues. We see two of the girls, and one of them is putting on some makeup, and she says that she heard that Reed and Sue Richards were having marital troubles, so she has her eyes on Mr. Fantastic. I think these are high school girls, so they're probably too old for Reed. The students look out the window and watch the Fantastic car land outside. It's the original flying bathtub, by the way. And that one girl who has the hots for Reed says, Sweet Jesus, how the heck did Sue Richards ever walk away from that? Where does she get her news, by the way? The National Enquirer? Well, it is America's most trusted newspaper. One girl, and I just realized, these aren't the students, they're the teachers, because all the men in the room are old and schlubby, while the women are young and attractive, just like in a movie or TV show. So one lady says that she's worried about Ben Grimm's skin condition, that it might upset the kids. I'd be more worried about a supervillain attacking while Ben is there and killing the kids. The blonde teacher is more excited about hearing stories about Doctor Doom, Galactus, and the Negative Zone. So two hours later, Reed is giving a long speech about physics and the economics of fighting Galactus, and all the kids in class 
are bored out of their minds. But when Ben wakes up, he asks if anyone wants to play in the Fantastic Car, and all of the kids cheer and scream, Me! So they head outside, and the kids are playing in the big flying bathtub. Ben is picking it up. Everyone, everyone is having a nice time. And the teacher that was concerned about Ben's skin condition says to him, You certainly have a way with kids, Mr. Grimm. And he replies, Ah, this is nothing, toots. You should see the way I make a Spanish omelet after a night of wild, passionate loving. Ugh. He says this as he's surrounded by a bunch of kids. And when was the last time Ben had a night of wild, passionate loving? Ugh. That does not sound like something Ben would say anyway. She's, she asks if that line works, and he says he'll tell her about it at breakfast. And then they'll go have a beer at an Irish joint that even has a hand dryer in the men's room. Yeah, I think the men's room is really kind of Ben's priority. How can any girl refuse? She says. Back at the Baxter building, the She-Hulk and the Wasp are part of Sue's charity group. They're being sworn by robot servants made out of old Doombots offering pies and cookies. That seems appropriate. Dr. Doom loves his pies and cookies. They're talking about naming the group after Miss America, the female superhero from the 1940s. And Sue says her estate is fine with them using that name. And what about the Miss America contest? Is that still a thing? Or did Donald Trump bankrupt that too? And then some woman teleports into the room looking for Reed Richards. Sue recognizes her as Alyssa Moy, Reed's old girlfriend. It's been a lot of time in the book during the Claremont run. It's a surprise anyone, especially Mark Millar, remembered Alyssa Moy. But she's back. She says her new name is Alyssa Castle because she got married to a billionaire, Ted Castle, six months earlier. She says this as Reed enters the room and he says, He's one of the smartest people on the planet, Alyssa. Nice catch. You know, despite him being smart, the first thing Alyssa mentioned was that he's a billionaire. So you kind of know where this gold digger is coming from. Alyssa says she's come to ask for Reed's help. They're working on a project that will affect the entire world. It'll be the biggest thing Reed has ever been involved in. I thought Plan 101 was supposed to be the biggest thing Reed was ever involved in, but it seems like they all forgot about that since last issue. Alyssa says she only needs Reed for 24 hours. Sue says, okay, but be careful. Alyssa and Reed teleport away, and Ben says, well, she's about 10 times hotter than I remembered. What the hell? What's going on with Ben? He suddenly got the personality of a horny teenage boy from a 1980s sex comedy. He looks around and realizes that was probably not the best comment to make in a room full of women. So Reed and Alyssa travel to the Earth Trust. It's like an oil rig platform in the ocean, 50 miles from the North Pole. Reed meets Alyssa's husband, Dr. Castle, who, if he had his own supervillain lair in Europe, it would be called Castle Castle. Not sure if he's an evil genius yet. We'll see. But he starts to tell Reed what's going on. They're working on a classified project. Only 400 people know about it. If more people knew, there would be mass hysteria all over the world the work involves creating a nuclear shelter, so in the event of a nuclear war, which seemed like a pretty remote idea eight years ago, but now, in the event of a nuclear war, they can step through this portal for brand new life. So they travel through the portal to this gigantic construction site out in space. 
It's a great two-page spread, by the way, by Brian Hitch. They're creating this new planet. It's called New World. It's a place to go when the Earth dies, Alyssa says. And that is the end of the issue. I think it's a good first issue here. I like them bringing back Alyssa. Who saw that coming? And this New World thing seems interesting. I can't remember what happens next. Sue and her charity group. I'm curious as to what becomes of that. Or is it just an excuse for Brian Hitch to draw more hot women? And then there's Ben and his new love interest, the teacher? Oh boy. If you have any questions about the Fantastic Four, about this podcast, or if you need relationship advice, you can email me at podcastff at gmail.com. You can download other episodes of iTunes, find them all at www.podcastff.podbean.com. So long, kids, this podcast is over. I took the prize last night for complicated mess. For saying things I didn't mean